Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello. Hey. Oh, we are oh. back. This is we are starting a cult with our typical every Friday. Friday episode. It's Friday again, so here we are. Oh, yes, and it is good to be back. It's that time of the week. Time to kick it up a notch for the weekend. You know. No, it's true. Grant is ready. He just exuded a lot of poop. It's true. I did. Yeah. I, I did. He not, keeps talking about it. Not that long ago. Um. It's uh, it's that time of the week, you know. It's like, it's not that time of the month. It's that time of the week. Yeah. Um, but we are back with a brand new episode for you guys, just like we always are, and we hope you had a spectacular week. Yeah. A um, lot of weird shit happening this week, though. Yeah. Uh, you know, just uh, in case the entire world hasn't told you, a big decision was made today, and I'm not gonna say it because that's not what we're talking about today. Okay. Yeah. Just wear some condoms and, uh, yeah. Yeah, do your thing, um, but, you know, that's fine. Um, but, yeah, we're not going to talk about it. We don't do that. Nah, no, we're talking about something else. We're talking about people being murdered with a particular type of weapon that you probably are already aware of yeah, based on... it can on... sometimes be used as, like, an outdoor tool. Yeah. You know, for, like, like trimming and the like. Trimming, I don't know. Trimming, what's more chopping than trim anything. the timber, you know? Um, but yeah, as you could probably tell, I mean, I don't know what this episode's gonna be called yet, but I'm assuming the word axe murders will be in the title. It should be called trimming the timber. It kind of sounds like you're you're touching up your pubes. That is true. This you is know? a great uh, great opportunity to plug uh, the movie uh, "So I Married an Axe Murderer." Never seen it. Oh, it is so fucking good. Is it's it? A, it's a great movie. It's essentially about Mike Myers uh, meeting the love of his life, um, and he uh, he believes her to be an axe murderer, and it, it, hilarity ensues. Um, it's just an all-around good time. That sounds like a rousing, fun romp. But today we got a couple of stories for you. Uh, some short, I assume some a little bit longer. I have one longer and one short. Beautiful. I have one that's, I wouldn't even call it like long. I got one that's like medium. And then I got one that I I don't even know where it's it's ridiculously, uh, maybe short, maybe not. I don't know. All right. Um, 
But needless to say, we'll be talking about bl death by bludgeoning with an axe or a, a pick or something along those lines, okay? Yeah, we were trying to look for, like, a topic this week, and I, I was just like, oh, let's look up some axe murders. Maybe there's a good one in there. There's so fucking many of them. Yeah. That people love doing this, it seems. It, it, I, had to, I was kind of sifting through a lot because some of them were interesting, but it was, like, a one-off thing or it was, like, an ex-lover or an ex-employee. And it was like, I mean, yeah, that qualifies, but it's not, it's something that can be talked about in like less than 40 seconds. Yeah, more like an axe lover. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things. Um, but obviously, you know, I'd like to start by uh, telling you the horrifically true story of the axe murders by a man named Jack, all right? Jack, huh? Yeah, so this... Um, Pretty much what happened was, you know, he was an author, uh, he was alcoholic, he had some issues. Anyways, um, they, uh, they're they watching over this building, I think it's a hotel, um, and the guy goes fucking crazy and starts trying to kill his family with an axe. Oh, what's the setting? Is it snowy? Yeah, it is. Wow. Um, and believe it or not, this is not a true story. Um, I just, you know, I figured what other opportunity are we going to have to pepper that one in there, yeah. you know? Yeah, it needs the pepper. Uh, but yeah, we got some good stories. I don't know. I mean, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? How do you want this to play out? All right. So if I go first, I'm going to start with the longer one. That's because that's the fine. shorter one, like, put me in a weird mood yesterday. Absolutely fine. I like needed to watch YouTube to feel normal. I, that, you know what? That's that's. I say let's do it. Let's Sometimes just jump that's right in. Just life. All right. So the servant girl annihilator. Okay. Quite the title. Uh, so the servant girl annihilator, also known as the Austin Axe murderer and the midnight assassin, was an American serial killer in the late 19th century and is credited with uh, eight separate murders and remains to this day to be unidentified. Oh. Never caught the boy. All right. Uh, first of all, fun fact, the name was uh, originated by the writer O. Henry. You know O. Henry. The candy bar. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a pen name. Oh, O. Henry. William Sidney Porter. O. Obs Henry. Observant Henry. He was really just talking shit about the the city in a letter to a friend. He's like, this place sucks except for some, uh, like, you know, activity by the fucking servant girl annihilator. We'll get to that later. But uh, less fun of a fact, uh, between 1884 and 85, eight young women were brutally murdered using an axe by this unknown assailant. Now, this guy, or lady, I suppose... Because we don't, we don't know, right? Uh, is considered by many to be the first American serial killer, or at least oh. the first one to be like documented. You okay. Know? Uh, for, uh, and some even think that this individual may have actually been an infamous and unknown killer that just so happened to appear across the world not months after Austin's tragedies came to a stop. Oh. All right. We'll, we'll get to that later. So. In the 1880s, Austin, Texas was booming, all right, in the standards of the time at least. So in 20 years, between 1860 and 1880, the population nearly tripled from roughly 3,000 <laughs> to 11,000, which sounds like fucking peanuts now. Yeah, it does. Because that's like, that's like the population of a Walmart at any given time. But, uh, so a college was built, an asylum with... Uh, some surprisingly caring and mindful methods of care was construction constructed. 
Uh, a luxury hotel was there for tourism, and uh, indoor plumbing was in each room. That was a huge thing, you know? Okay. Indoor plumbing, you can poop anywhere. Uh, and the natural beauty of the area was just renowned. Well, renowned, everyone, you say. Everyone loved it there. Well, want to take a picture, want to paint it. Beautiful, I, I assume. Uh, it was declared Texas's capital, and the Capitol building was constructed and later found to be the seventh largest building in the world at the time. Damn, that's impressive. Right? Yeah, needless to say, Austin, uh, it was a hip and up-and-coming place to be. That is until, on, on the night of December 30th, 1884, a man named Tom Chalmers was woken up by uh, a clamor. At his door, you know, calling for help. Super Nintendo Chalmers. You hate the little clamors. <laughs> Super Nintendo Chalmers? Yeah. <laughs> <You> just... <laughs> is it... Wait, is that... That was Ralph, That's Simpson... remember? Oh my god, fuck. Super I was gonna Nintendo say... Chalmers? <laughs> Fucking Ralph. Alright, uh... Yeah. So Tom answered this clamor at the door to find Walter Spencer, who was the boyfriend of a servant girl... Molly Smith, who was employed at the home, right? So he's like, his servant's boyfriend is is just at the door. Yeah. He, he was covered in blood. Oh, okay. All right, he's covered in blood. Average average evening. Super normal thing in the night. All right, so Walter said that he had been attacked in the servant's quarters in the backyard and was begging for help, right? Uh, Tom suspected that Walter was exaggerating or drunk. Which okay. is not <laughs> the in- initial thing that I would probably think if he was actually covered in blood. But, in any case, uh, so he simply told him to go to a doctor and get treated for his injury. And Walter, being a black man in the late 19th century South, uh, knew better than to argue with a white boy. Right, yeah, fair enough. You know, so he did what he was told. When he returned home in the morning, though, Molly Smith's body was discovered in the back alley. Oh. All right. Molly's uh, room was found to be absolutely destroyed, and a bloody axe was in the corner, and a bloody handprint was found on the wall by the door. Okay. So pretty pretty obvious what happened here. Interesting that they'd leave the, the murder weapon. But I guess they didn't really have, you know, I mean, yeah, at that point shit. it was like, fuck it, who cares, you know? Who's no one gonna, gives no a shit. going to find this. It's like, I'm going to show them what I've done. Uh, yeah, he got treated for his injuries. They found Molly. Oh, she's dead. Um, yeah, this murder was uncharacteristic to Austin in that there seemed to be, like, no motive, no reason, and the outright gruesome and gory wounds were just shocking to authorities. They were just like, this doesn't happen here. What the fuck is going on? Uh, an ex-boyfriend of Molly was brought in for questioning, but he was quickly released with an airtight alibi. So who did it? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't you have know? an answer for this. I'm trying to like rack my head around, wrap my head around this, but I, 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 I don't really have a response. You don't, don't have know. an answer for this thing across the country uh, hundreds of years ago. That no one else has an answer for either. No, yeah. I, I can't believe I'm stumped by this. You're a fucking failure. Uh, so needless to say, servants around Austin were extra careful for a time following this crazy murder. All right. Okay. <laughs> Many were like sleeping in their employers' homes or like the the homes of friends. Um but ultimately things just like calmed down and people went about their lives how people always do after shit like that. Mm-hmm. You know. But then shortly after things seemed to die down, the night became an extraordinarily threatening time in the Austin streets, all right? And seemingly 
only for young women employed as servants. Ooh. Very strange, right? It's a little strange. It's, little a, strange. it's a little weird. A rash of strange and frightening things were happening each night. Rocks were being thrown at servants' windows. Sometimes gunfire came through the fucking walls. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. That's <laughs> never good. Uh, servants were being woken up in the middle of the night to their doorknobs jiggling. You know, jiggling aggressively, trying to be opened by someone. Jiggle, 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 jiggle doesn't jiggle, jiggle. fold. Uh, the, and, uh, and some were even being held up for their money, saying it's your money or your life, you know. Uh, they were held up from behind, apparently, and assaulted with sharp tools. Assaulted <laughs> with sharp tools, Assaulted with sharp tools. All right, okay. So that is a little caveat to this story, because some of them were with axes, but a lot of them were with, like, sharpened, I don't know, instruments that he would insert into people's ears and shit. He was, he was a gruesome boy. Okay, okay. Whoever this was. Um, though this is insanely frightening, no one was getting seriously injured until March 19th of 1885, when two Swedish servant girls, Clara Strand and Christine Martinson, uh, they were very brutally injured. They were physically attacked and beaten by a single assailant who, after leaving their quarters, shot through their wall and hit one of the girls in the spine. Oh, okay. So she's not living well, uh, but they are living, so that's that's something, I suppose. Yeah, that's that's, that's a win, I would call it. It's always nice to live. Um, So this caused many servant girls to seek employment elsewhere in the country and uh, caused some racial tension to skyrocket, even more than it probably was at the time. Um, So the black community was positive that it was a white man mainly targeting black women. And uh, white folks were convinced that it was a black man and called for the lynching upon his identity being discovered. Right, okay. They loved lynching back then. Yeah, they did. They really really liked to do that. They had a type, too, you know? Yeah, no, there's, yeah. If you painted like an abstract picture of it, it would always look the same. Yeah, I'll tell you this. You know, like, the new thing is, like, the AI amalgamations, you know? Yeah. You, like, input a bunch of shit, and, like, the AI makes it, and it's, like, kind of similar to what you think. If you put, um, uh, like, the targets of lynching in an AI, it would literally look exactly how you think it would. It would just be a a stick figure on a piece of white paper. Yeah, exactly what you think it would look like. Again, they had a very strict type, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, all the white folks were like, we got to lynch this person, but we got to find who it is first. A- anyway, it was it was pandemonium, all right? A woman named Eliza Shelley, uh, she was she was the next victim on May 6th of 1885, and she was found hacked to death next to the bed that she shared with her two children. Good Lord. All right? The children were fine, but her son, like, reportedly, uh, he told police that he woke up uh, by a, he was woken up by a black man that told him to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? sure, I believe. And others supposedly, others who supposedly witnessed like either the crime or the perpetrator fleeing the scene asserted that he was white. So no help really? there at all. Yeah, they just no, like, well, we're probably going to go with what that kid said. You yeah, know. Yeah. Oh god! So the next the next victim was revealed uh, later that month on May twenty second. All right, so it was just a mere like two weeks after this last one of eighteen eighty five. Of course, uh, Irene Cross. She was a black cook, and she was attacked by a man with a knife and found alive in her backyard by authorities. 
Damn. Right, so she was like out there bleeding and dying for like hours. Okay. Until they found her. Uh, when asked who had done it to her, she simply could not respond due to her wounds, which were in her chest and torso. So I assume her lungs were uh, deflating or yeah, something. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. I don't know. But yeah, she died shortly thereafter. Uh, the Austin police were at a loss. These strange and gruesome murders, you know. And uh, so, so they brought in some detectives from outside sources, right? So some from uh, a detective agency in Houston... And some from Chicago. But neither detective agencies were able to make any headway whatsoever. Oh, So they're just wasting money. Um, what else happened? They arrested and questioned over 400 men, mostly black, uh, you know, and, uh, and interrogated them all. But none could be proven to be the perpetrator. So okay. I do give, like, the, <laughs> the very far in the past south some credit for not like just convicting just some random black dude yeah that's that's you a know? bonus i'll give him that that's so wild. i mean they're racist they're they're not like you know uh shy about it but at least they were actually trying to find some dude yeah <laughs> like, there's a, the actual right person there was a, what you would call a fair trial which is something that did not really happen back then the exact opposite of a lynching yeah yeah so that was that's impressive i'm not gonna lie um i like that a lot yeah that's nice so things uh things really got bad in august and september all right an 11 year old girl named mary ramey i believe it's ramey uh, was murdered on August 30th after her mother fought to protect her, receiving life-threatening injuries along the way. So he's killing kids now. Uh, that's that's not good. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, then on September 28th, uh, about a month later, servant Gracie Vance and her boyfriend, Orange Washington. Orange? <laughs> it's not funny because they're dead. Orange Washington. <laughs> uh, they were found murdered in their homes with an axe, you know. Uh, Austin was freaking out, right? Window locks were flying off the shelves. Uh, there were some soothing tonics that people were selling to like uh, hysterical female family members, and they were they were just buying them all. They were taking all these soothing tonics. Then, seemingly as just like one last hurrah, the killer struck again on the night of Christmas Eve, you know, December twenty fourth of uh, eighteen eighty five. Uh, this time murdering two separate women in two separate locations. He's trying to pull the fucking roof man. He's trying. He's, He's really trying, trying to pull the roof man. Two hits in one one day. Come on. Susan Hancock and Eula Phillips. All right. Uh, they were found brutally murdered in their homes. And you know what? The murders just fucking stopped. Okay. <laughs> they just stopped after that. Uh, they just went away. So... Here's where the story gets a little bit crazy historically. In 1888, a certain infamous killer started making headlines in the papers of London, okay. England. Jack the Ripper, all right? Jack, Jack. the Ripper. Yeah. Austin newspapers, uh, they, they kind of glommed onto those headlines, starting to draw parallels from the crimes of England that began, you know, two short years after theirs had ceased leading many to believe that the crimes actually were committed by the same man. So a lot of people just bought into it. Okay. They were just like, oh my God, Jack the Ripper. That's who it, that's who it was. This the is servant the guy. girl guy. This is the fucking guy. Yeah. I mean, that's all that kind of came of it was just some people believing it, but there was no like substantial evidence to link it. 
Okay. It yeah. was just a classic, like, oh, it's in the newspaper. It's got to be true. Yeah, it's around. You know, someone knows. It's real. It's like, okay, sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I mean, mean, that lives up to the name of the uh, servant girl annihilator. Yeah, it really least. does. He's very uh, in all the, the sharp tools and stuff. But there, there is a little bit. There's like some people speculate on who it may have been uh, aside from Jack the Ripper, right? Uh, some historians are led to believe that the murderer was. Uh, it could very well have been the son-in-law of the man who ran the Austin Insane Asylum, or Lunatic Asylum, I think they used. Yeah, the, that's the probably phrase. what they called it. Dr. James Gibbon, his son-in-law. They were just like, maybe it was him. Uh, it is noted that the uh, murder seemed to stop almost immediately after the son-in-law was unwillingly committed to his father-in-law's asylum. Okay. So that's interesting. Uh, it's also thought that it may have been a Malaysian cook who kind of worked in close proximity to a lot of the crimes, uh, who was noted in advertising his relocation to London, uh, who then reportedly went through with it. Damn. So he just went to London. Maybe it is. Maybe he's Jack. <laughs> maybe uh, he is. Well, maybe he is. Maybe <laughs> who he knows, is. man? We don't know. Uh, but in the end, who the fuck knows uh, who this guy was? All we know is that he was prolific and he remains a mystery. Well, shit. I mean, Servant Girl Annihilator there. Another axe murder that we've covered with no answers. No one knows. <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of up in the air going yeah, on. Yeah, a lot there, of unsolved know? axe murders. No happen. one knows. Um, it seems I, if you want to kill someone, you should probably use an axe. I, yeah, I mean, it seems that their numbers are... Unless you, like, turn yourself in or get busted Lizzie Borden style, you're... You know, you could get away with it a lot easier than you think, I guess. And even they couldn't even prove that it was Lizzie Borden. It was just kind of character assassination by the public at the end. Yeah, it was, it was like, know? well, you were here and you were alive, so you're the guy. Or you're the, the lady named Liz. But yeah, that's... Damn. Servant Girl Annihilator. They're dead. The Good Servant Lord. Girls, that is. I That was that was quite interesting, I, I have to say. <laughs> it was a little ride. Get a, get a little connection to Jack. The ripster over there? A little bit, a little bit. A little Jack and Jill. So I will pepper in, I will do my short one, so we kind of like bounce off, you know, so it's like... Yeah, and then long, I'll do my short, short, short one. long, you know? Yeah, no, it's good. Um, So this one has a little bit more of a resolution, but it's a nice short little quick bite. Um, And it, it was just, it was wild to me, so I, I, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Okay. Um, So... I hope you guys are ready. We're traveling back in time again. Um, this story takes place in 1828. Wow. Um, just a little bit of background. This takes place on a boat, okay? Okay. Um, Almost 200 years ago. Yeah, so built in 1817, the Mary Russell was a small wooden brig of 132 tons, drawing 13 feet under load, single-decked with beams. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> it's, it doesn't sound small. But um, yeah. So essentially, at, but when all was said and done, it was about 80 feet in length is what we're getting at here. Right. Um, it was made entirely of wood. Uh, at the time, a relatively operatable boat, if that's a word. You know, It wasn't like this huge, massive ship. It was just a, a big boat, you know? Intuitive to sail. Yeah. So let's get into this a little bit. So the ship's captain was William Stewart. He was a Protestant man that was born in Cobb in 1775. Cobb. His chief mate was a Scotsman named Will Smith, or William Smith. <laughs> He's slapping Christopher Rockefeller. Uh, and the second mate was a Swede named William Swanson. So we got Will Smith and Will Swanson. 
All right, good. Um, Any Swedish? This is my story. Heck yeah. Um, so we got a couple other people on board. So we got the carpenter, uh, John Kramer. The seaman, John Howes. Um, the Francis Sullivan and John Keating, they were also seamen. <laughs> seamen. Then you have the three apprentices. You have John Deves, Daniel Scully, and Henry Rickards, who were 15, 13, and 12, respectively. Okay, already in this story, there are so many names that either are just famous people or are remarkably close. Mm-hmm. Like, there's Scully. We got some fucking... We got Kramer. Uh, yeah, we got Kramer. We, <laughs> wait, what was the last one you said? Uh, Henry Rickards. It just sounds like Henry Winkler. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> like just, there's so many just, like... Lights shining in my fucking mind right now as you're reading. But keep going. Yeah. Okay, so in total we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Then we got Timothy Connell and James Morley. Now what their job was, they were stablemen because this boat was sailing to Barbados and they were bringing some mules. Okay, that's what they were doing. Okay. So they were there to watch after the mules. Okay, so now we're up to what, nine total? Is that what it? Wait, let me recount. That's like ten. One, two, three, four, five. You said eight to six, two. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, it's ten. Ten, eleven. Eleven? Um, wait, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Fuck. <laughs> it's eight plus two, motherfucker. You, you're just like, all right, there's eight of them. And then one. there's these two guys. <laughs> okay. One, two, three, four, five, Why are six, you counting seven, eight, nine. No, it's eleven. We got. I don't even understand. We got William, William, John, John, Francis, John. John, Daniel, Henry, Timmy, and James. See, the Johns is where we got fucked up. Yeah, yeah, that was what was throwing me. God damn it. Um, so there was also a passenger on the boat, an 11-year-old boy named Thomas Hammond. Now, there was one final guy on the ship, and this was Captain James Gold Rains. Um, he was a man wow. that lived in Cork, um, and he had sailed to Barbados on board the Hibernia. Uh, but he was actually relieved of his command for being too wasted. Um, so he persuaded <laughs> nice. the captain. You know, he got his way, and he's like, William Stewart, come on, bro, let me in. Come on. And they're like, fine, you can hop on the boat. Like, you're not the captain, but you can hop on the I boat. I swear I'm sober. Okay, so they're on their way, right? They're out to sea. They're doing their shit. There's 13 of them. They're all fucking hanging out. And Captain Stewart is leading the fucking trend. One night at sea... Captain Stewart has a really strange dream, okay? Okay, dream realm. He has a really wicked dream that Captain Rains, the drunk guy, uh, is going to lead a mutiny, all right? Okay. He doesn't like that. He's, he's having trouble sleeping. He can't get over it. He, he, he hates that news. Dude, you ever like uh, you ever wake up one morning? It's just a normal morning. You're like, hello, good morning, uh, my significant other. And they're just mad at you? Because of what you did to them yeah, in, their, in, a dream. in their dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it, this was not helped because Captain Rains spoke Irish and Captain Stewart did not. So Gaelic? Yeah, well, yeah. Gaelic, Irish, you know, so whatever. I don't, I don't know. That's they don't I was, specify. I, I have know. no I idea. I'm Irish. Irish. I don't even know. If I, I, don't, I don't know the Irish uh, vernacular. You just uh, like got a like one of those? Yes. Yeah, You're true. rolling the tongue. You know, Guinness. Yeah, Leprechaun. Guinness. Uh, wool sweaters, golf. Green. Golf courses. Anyways, so Boiled Reigns meats. would speak to the crew in Irish. This did not help anything. Okay, this did not help the situation at all. 
So how did Captain Stewart respond? Uh, well, oh, I, sorry, I didn't know I was supposed to. No, answer. no, no, you're good. It was more of like a rhetorical thing. Was it in like uh, uh, offensive impressions of Gaelic? No, in extremely aggressive fashion. He bound seven of the twelve other men on the boat. He bound them, tied them to the floor. They were they were trapped. They weren't moving. They were in a line, and systematically, he walked up to them, hit each one of them in the head with a crowbar, and then immediately started hitting them with axes and killed seven of them. This is this a dream he had. No, this is real life. No, now. yeah, but this is because of a dream he had. Yeah, of something that hasn't happened yet. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Um, so it gets a little muddy. Um, I di- there's a book on this actually from 2010. I didn't read it, um, but there it doesn't really give us the people that were killed. Um, it just says that seven out of the twelve were killed. Uh, you can imagine that Captain Rains was at least one of the seven. Yeah, what a um, terrible morning. But there really are no specifics, at least to me. I would probably imagine that the if i had to pick if i had to pick i would say the passenger the 11 year old probably survived uh, probably the the two dudes taking care of the mules or at least yeah. one of the dudes yeah, taking exactly. care of the one mules one of the mule dudes and then yeah. probably the apprentices or uh, at least two of them yeah if he has the audacity to fucking kill all these people he probably thinks he's above uh, cleaning up mule shit yeah 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 so i, I agree with that so on sunday august 11th of 1828 Captain Stewart was tried for the murder of Captain James Gold Rains. All right? Gold Rains. However, very unusually, the prosecution and the defense were both seeking the same verdict. What? Not guilty by reason of insanity. Um, Did they at least manage that? Yeah, they did. (laughs) Um... Yeah. So if they both wanted it and nothing happened, I'd be like, oh, God. Yeah, so... <laughs> Just another example of the justice system. I mean, that's pretty much where the story <laughs> ends. They, uh... He was insane. The prosecution <laughs> and the defense got exactly what they wanted. I mean, that's... It is a pretty insane thing to do. <laughs> like, I, uh... I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I've fantasized about things like that. But I'm not... I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. Especially because of a dream. But, yeah, so that is how Captain Stewart was found not guilty of murdering seven men. Wow. I I don't even know what to say. I don't know why I feel like saying it's a feel-good story. In a way, it is. I almost just dropped my laptop. It's not. I mean, it's not. Like, he murdered seven people, but he got away with it. Yeah, no. Good for him. And, like, he didn't, like, get away with it in the fact of, like, they didn't find him. He literally got caught, and they were just like, he's not guilty. Like, he's fucked up. And they were like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, the prosecution's like, he's insane. The defense is like, yeah. I would imagine, I, I was not able to find this answer. Um, I would imagine he was brought to some type of uh, sanitarium or sanatorium or whatever. Maybe he went to the Austin Lunatic Asylum. Probably. Um, I would imagine, um, unless Crossover. he was just turned loose on society. And that was just the end of that. But yeah, that's uh, that's the story of that. <laughs> Fun. How about that? Wow. All right. <laughs> I feel so giggly after that story for some reason. Just like everyone agrees he's insane, and that's where the story ends. <laughs> yeah, just like, this guy's fucking crazy. Like your honor, objection. Like, oh, this you're guy's absolutely fucking right. Crazy. Like, all right, 
He's crazy. You're Let's all fucking crazy. This whole court is out of line. <laughs> all right, he's fine. To, he's free to go. All right, you ready for a, a very depressing one? Yeah, I am. I am. All right, it happened in Australia. All right, the Greenaw, I believe. Greenaw. Greenaw. Oh. It's just green with with uh, with dough without the D. You know, Greeno maybe Greenaw. Aw, I'm gonna say Greenaw family mur- massacre. All right. The Greenaw Family Massacre is thought to, um, by some at least, to be one of the worst crimes ever committed in Western Australia. Oh, God. (laughs) Some of the details of the crime were deemed so gruesome by the judge that they remain to this day to be hidden from public eyes. Damn. Like, still people don't know. Uh, Those hidden details are pretty heavily alluded to, like what they are. Uh, in in the rundown of the crime. Anyway, so on February 21st of 1993, a recent one. All right. Uh, Mother Karen McKenzie, she was 31, and her three kids, Daniel, who was 16, Amara, who was seven, and Katrina, who was five. They were home having a perfectly pleasant evening on their remote property uh, in Greenaw, Western Australia. Um, all in the house, but Daniel had fallen asleep, right? He was, they were just, just slowly dozing, all right? But not Daniel, he's awake. This is when acquaintance through one of, you know, one connection or another to Karen, Patrick Bill Mitchell, he arrived at the property in his car. Okay. Um, Mitchell had spent the entire day getting high and drunk on a mixture of alcohol, marijuana, and amphetamines. Good for so him. that's just the trifecta there. Uh, <laughs> so he, he pulled up to the house and Mackenzie, the house of the home of Mackenzie and her children. And uh, since it was a remote location, Daniel goes out to investigate who it is because he's like, well, there's no cars that come out here for no reason. Right. You know, he's like, I hear a car. I'm going to go see. Daniel cr- confronts the highly intoxicated Mitchell and is murdered by Mitchell with an axe. Good Lord. All right, just outside of his house. Uh, Mitchell then made his way into the home where he found Karen asleep in the lounging room. He brutally murdered her with an axe and then proceeded to rape and brutalize uh, her dead body. Okay. Here's where some of the details are left out, but it's pretty obvious what happened. After raping their mother, uh, their mother's mutilated corpse, Mitchell then turned his attention to the sleeping five- and seven-year-old Katrina and Amara. Oh, man. we can all reluctantly fill in the blanks there. Yeah, oh, man. So, uh, it took about five weeks after the discovery of the horrendous scene and funerals for the the four individuals uh, for Mitchell to be arrested for his heinous crimes. Police said that it was a hand lotions residue found in the scene let's just say in many locations of the scene, uh, that finally led to his arrest. Uh, Mitchell pled guilty to four counts of willful murder, and here's another thing where things kind of come through without the details. Four counts of sexual assault, and he killed four individuals. Damn. So, and Hanlon, come on. Yeah, this guy's all over the fucking map. Yeah. Uh, at the age of 24, Mitchell was sentenced to four consecutive life sentences with a 20-year period without chance for parole. 
Uh, he currently sits at the Bunbury Regional Prison. Uh, an appeal order, uh, sorry, an appeal ordered the non-parole period to be revoked, but uh, but following appeals ruled that he would never be released. It was declared in 2019 that he would never be released. So it's like, I, with all this back and forth, it's kind of hard to say what the future holds for this fuck, but. You know, if, if hell exists, he'll probably go there. Right? So, well, I would imagine he's uh, going there. Like, I kind of no, hope hell exists, strictly so this guy gets to go there. There's no reason that he shouldn't be in there, you he's know? creating hell on earth. Why shouldn't he live there? Agreed. You Agreed. Know? But anyway, yeah, that got me feeling all weird last night. I mean, I see why. <laughs> I see why. Like, holy fucking shit. I absolutely understand. He just showed up. He just showed up and did that. Just for just for the fucking hell of it, I guess. Like, why not? He's like, fuck it, let's yeah. just go. I was watching a little newsreel on it, and uh-huh. like the family afterward. And they're like, every three years we have to go to these fucking like parole hearings and like convince them to keep them in there. It's fucked. And they're all very, very sad. I mean, <laughs> very I could sad Im- individuals. I would a hundred percent imagine that that's just fucking like the worst day of your year. Yeah, you know? I mean, of your life, maybe. Like that is maybe the decade. Good lord, yeah, that's. I don't even. That's like the description of that one is just. Just a little. I keep I keep wanting to do the sideshow pop thing. Well, I'll pepper in. I mean, it's not a happy story, but <laughs> well, a lot of things are happier than what I just said. This one is nowhere near. Even if they do involve an axe, this one is sad. Um, but maybe I mean. I guess objectively, it's going to be a lot of... It's an easier pill to swallow than the fucking one we just heard. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, so we are going to go back in time to March of 1922. All right, sick. Nice. A hundred years ago. A little bit... Uh, about a hundred years and three months ago. Um. So... Strange things began to occur in and around the town of Hinterkaifeck. Okay, where's that? Hinterkaifeck. That is, um, it's a it's a Bavarian farmstead north of Munich, Germany. The Bavarian, eh? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so it's a <laughs> yeah, it's Bavarian. When I say Hinterkaifeck, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. That is like the name of the farm. Okay. Okay. So the the old stead there. Yeah, the old farmstead. Yeah. Um, so shit started to get weird. Uh, so this was in the winter of 1921. Okay. Um, the family maid uh, had actually quit uh, leading up to this. So earlier, and the reason why she quit is because she was hearing really strange noises in the attic and thought that the house was haunted. Okay. Reasonable. Yeah. Um. And and Andreas Andreas Gruber, a member of the house, uh, it was the Gruber family <laughs> Gruber. Um, in the in the home. Yeah, um, found a strange newspaper from Munich on the property in 1940, 1922, Sorry, um, and what's weird for that is this is forty three miles north of Munich. Okay, so it's not like you're on their paper route. Yeah, you're not in their news cycle. No, you're definitely not. Um, he could not remember buying it, and he initially believed that maybe the postman had, you know, swapped out something or did something wrong. So it was, like, in their house, or... It was, was just it... on their, like, front porch. Oh, okay. I was going to say, it was, like, 
in the trees on their property or something. It's like, mm-hmm. wind's crazy. Um, so he talked to the postman, and the postman was like, no, we don't really deliver those. Um, he was talking to the locals in the area, and none of them had subscribed to that particular paper. Yeah. Um, so he was like, well, this is fucking weird. Um, okay. Um, multiple days. Uh, we're talking middle of March 1922. I keep saying 2022. Yeah. Middle of March, so a couple of days before the uh, incident, um, he was telling his neighbors that he had discovered fresh footprints in the snow. Um, and that led, they went from the forest to a broken door lock in the farm's machine room. And they were fresh prints. Fresh, fresh, okay. fresh. Still steaming. Um, later during that same night, they had heard footsteps in the attic. Uh, Gruber went up there and he found nothing. He didn't see anything out of place. He was like, whatever, okay. Um, so he told a bunch of people about this, and they were all offering to help him, like, you know, we'll come over. You got a lot of land, like, you know, we'll kind of walk around. We'll so, see yeah, what we could find. We'll comb it, find an elusive squatter. Yeah, we'll figure something out. Um, he completely, he was like, no, don't help me. He didn't report it to the police, whatever. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> now we move in to the mar- the night of March 31st of 1922. Okay. It was a Friday, just like today. Oh, my God. The new maid. They hired a new maid. Her name is Maria Baumgartner. She got to the farm, right? Yeah. Uh, Maria's sister had brought her there and left the farm after, you know, staying for a couple minutes, maybe had a cup of tea or something. Yeah, simply know. a ride. Yeah. Um, she was the last person to see the inhabitants alive. Besides the culprit. All of them? Yeah. Everyone? Yep. It appears that late in that evening, Victoria Gabriel um, and her seven-year-old daughter, Kazia, and her parents, Andreas and Kazia, it's it's confusing. They got different names. A lot of names. Um, So they were lured to the family barn um, through the stables, okay? (laughs) <laughs> they were murdered, one at a time. The perpetrator used an axe that belonged to the family and was on the farm, and he killed each individual member of the family and the maid with blows to the head. The perpetrator then moved into the house, where with the same murder weapon, he killed Joseph, who was sleeping in the bassinet, you know, the, 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 the child, Yeah. Um, and the maid in her bedroom. All of them got things in the fucking head. Things. Things. <laughs> so Wait, when you said lured into the barn, I was just picturing like a fishing line with a bag of like sauerkraut or something. Come on. Because they're German. Come on. But, you know hey, you that's, so that's why I laughed there. But no, that is horrifying. <laughs> you know you want it. Yeah. You know you want it. <laughs> um. Anyway, so four days passed between the murders and the discovery of the bodies. Okay. Gross. Probably so, smells bad. Yeah. Um, so the, going back a little bit, the day after, on April 1st, local coffee salesman Hans Shirovsky and Edward Shirovsky arrived at Hinterkaifeck to take an order. When no one responded to the knocks on the door and the window, they walked around the yard, but they didn't find anything or anybody. They were like, okay. You're some insistent coffee salesman. Uh, they noticed that the gate to the machine house was open, and they were like, ah, okay, we're just going to go. We're just going to go. Um, Kazia Gabriel was absent without excuse for the next few days at school, and the family failed to show up for the Sunday worship. 
Interesting. So, all right. So, I was picturing them in like the middle of fucking nowhere, not like in a community. It's a, you know? yeah, it's a small community, but it's a community nonetheless. Yeah, like people know they're there. You but know? still, I was like, oh, farming children back then. Of course, they're gonna homeschool. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, but, yeah. No, I, right. get you. I get this you. This is painting a, a more detailed picture. Um. So the as- assembler, the local assembler, Albert Hoffner, went to the farmstead on April fourth to repair the engine of the food chopper. He stated that he had not seen any of the family, and he didn't hear any sounds or anything like that inside the barn. After waiting for an hour, he was like, fuck it, I'm here, I'm going to do my job. Um, so he does his repairs, and he was there for about four to four and a half hours, okay? Damn. Around 3.30 p.m., Lawrence Schlittenbauer sent his son, Johan, and stepson, Josef, to the farm to see if they could make contact with the family. When they reported that they didn't see anything and no one was there, Schlittenbauer headed to the farm to kind of get down to it, um... With local neighbors, Michael Pohl and Jakub Siegel. This is the most European story mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> so so they, many people are coming by to visit and just not investigating. Yeah, so they entered the barn and they found everything. Yeah. They found it all, okay? They're dead. So, Inspector George Reingruber and the department investigated the killings. Okay. Initial investigations were hampered because the number of people... That were around, kind of fucked with the scene, you know? Hampered? It, yeah, it fucked it up, you know, it slowed it down. Hampered, you know? I've never heard that term. I've heard tampered. Really? But yeah, hampered, same, same yeah, thing. I just think of, like, laundry. Um, so, it's it said that they people moved the bodies into a more, like, respectful position, which is, you know, obviously is going to fuck up the investigation. Yeah, it's not respectful to the no, investigation. No, no. Um, so, the day after the discovery of the corpses... Court physician Johann Baptist Almuller performed the <laughs> autopsies in the barn. Um, he figured out that an axe was the most likely murder weapon, though they didn't actually see anything. Um, evidence showed that the youngest daughter, Kazia, or the, the younger, I should say, yeah, the younger daughter, Kazia, had been alive for several hours after the assault. Oh. She had torn her hair out in tufts while laying there in the straw. Um, the skulls of the victims were removed and sent to Munich, where they were examined further. Um, initially, they thought this was like robbery. You know, that was the motive. Yeah. Um, but they interrogated like local traveling craftsmen, vagrants, and just people around the village. Um, they found like a crazy amount of money in the house. Um, they didn't say how much it was, but enough to where they were like... They did not get robbed. Yeah, yeah they were like, this, this wasn't a robbery game, Yeah, you know? Um, so, what they did find is that somebody had actually fed the cattle, they had eaten the entire supply of bread, and they took meat out of the pantry. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta refuel after murdering an entire family with, uh, with an axe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the files were officially closed in 1955. However, the last interrogation about this case took place in 1986. What the fuck? And this was before a fucking name that I don't even know how to pronounce. Wait, dude, try it, try it. Criminal Hoptum Commissar Conrad Mueller retired. Wait, so that was the name of a person? Yeah. Criminal Hoptum Commissar. Conrad Mueller. God damn. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay, okay. 
We'll just keep going after that. Yeah. Um, but 86, like, the the person they would have to interview would probably be, like, fucking on death's door. Like, they would be, like, in their 80s if they committed this crime in their 20s. Pretty much, yeah. Like, that's, that's too long. Um, So, there's a couple things that are interesting about this. I mean, there's a list of, like, suspects. I'm not really going to go into that just because... Nobody knows, and it, it doesn't really serve the purpose of the story. Yeah, justice wasn't served. It's just people saying, like, well, maybe it was him. No, but there are a couple of interesting things here. So on the night after the crime, and this was three days before it was discovered, okay. um, the local artisan, Michael Plockle, happened to pass by the farm. Plockle. Um, he observed that the oven had been heated by somebody, and somebody had actually approached him with a lantern and, like, shoved it in his face to the point where he couldn't adjust to the light and was, like, blinded for a minute. Um, Did he, like, talk to him? No, and when he came to, um, the man was gone, and he'd run off into the woods. Oh, so he, like, knocked him out with his lantern. Yeah, essentially. Um, So Placo also noticed that there was smoke coming from the fireplace, and it smelled very uh, disturbing. Disturbing? Yeah, dis- disturbing. Just gross. Um, like, was he burning the, the old baby there? We think, possibly. We don't know. Oh, my God. Um, so on April 1st, uh, that same night later in that evening, um, the local farmer and the butcher, Simon Riblander, uh, Riblander, I don't know how to pronounce these. Some of these names yeah. are wild. Um, so he saw two unknown people sitting at the edge of the forest. When these unidentified strangers uh, saw him, they turned their backs to him so that they couldn't, you know, visuals on the face could it's not like be we seen. we can't see him. He can't see us. Um, so, like, obviously, once he found out about what had happened at the farm, he immediately thought that possibly these two had some sort of connection to it. That makes sense. Um, but nothing, obviously, ever came of that either. I thought you were going to do, like, the Skinwalker Ranch thing. It's like, when they got closer, it was too... Coyotes smoking cigarettes up to the <laughs> like, standing <what>? up. <laughs> um, in the middle of May 1927, a stranger was said to have stopped a resident at Whitehofen at midnight. Okay, that was a town. Okay. Um, he was asking him some questions about the murder, and then he immediately shouted, I was the murderer, and he ran into the woods, and no one ever saw that guy again. <laughs> no one ever saw that guy again. <laughs> what? Yeah, so that's the story of... Maybe the- that was the guy. <laughs> That's the story of the Gruber family murder in Hinterkaifeck. That was the last part of the story. Yep, that was it. That was about it. Yeah, man came out of the woods, said, I did it, and then he ran away. Yeah, it was really just that easy. Like, he just said what he had to say, and he fucking split. He's like, Like, you know what? I told the truth. I'm getting into heaven. He did. He just completely bailed. But that uh, that was the axe murder. All right. What was it? The axe murder of... Hinterkaifeck. Hinterkaifeck. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I'm just phonetically sounding that one out. I, don't know. I just said it like a Ukrainian. I don't know. Hinterkaifeck. Hinterkaifeck. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the Gruber family murder at the Hinterkaifeck farm. God damn it, the Grubers. How about that for some just brutal axe slangs today? You know what, guys? We talked a lot about murders today. But we if we've did. learned anything, you're going to get away with it if you use an axe. I mean, pretty much everybody. You're, you're going to get away with it. Everybody we talked about got away with it except one guy. And that guy, he lives in Australia. No death penalty for that guy. Yeah. he. Everybody else literally got away with it. A guy got caught and he got away with it. Okay? Should be internationally broadcasted 
torture the rest of his life. I could, yeah, I'd be okay. The guy that. from my story. That's reasonable. But the other guys, hey, good for them. They got away. Yeah, I, mean, I well, guess. Yeah, good for them is, uh, you know. That's, no, that's, there's no in between. You have to be very happy for them. You got to be or proud. Or you, you have to wish for their suffering for the rest of their days. You got to be absolutely proud of these fucks. But yeah, that is the Hinterkaifeck, uh, as well as the, uh, the what was it, the Mary uh, Russell, the, yeah. um, the, the Child great, Annihilator, not the Child no, Annihilator. No, the Servant Sir, Girl Annihilator the and the... And then the Child Annihilator, pretty much. Yeah, the, the green or Greeno, or... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Greeno sounds like a wine, but uh, no, yeah. So that was a bunch of murders with axes, huh? Yeah, how about how that? How about that a little bit for back your fucking ears? For us, you know, just a little bit. Yeah, and honestly, every single one of the stories was more wholesome than the fucking Nazi one we did the other day, so... Honestly, yeah. I, th- I feel like we're on a good track. Yeah, we're, we're trending upwards as far as positivity goes, you know? Yeah, we didn't even mention the, the, the RVW thing. Oh, yeah, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. See, you know, talk about axe murders, you forget all your other problems. Yeah, it's like, you know, you know? this is some bad shit, but you know what, fucking... At least I'm not in Greenhow. Yeah, we're living in some weird times, but at least we're not in Greenhow. Yeah, I'm not a servant girl being annihilated. No. No, I'm not. That's not my (laughs) MO. No, no, no. It's not even close (laughs) to what my MO is. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's effectively our episode for the day. I think it probably is. I think if you, uh, you you know, uh, the, the listeners that pay attention, you know, and have heard us before. Mitch wasn't here. We didn't mention the fact that he was in the room. No, he wasn't here today. He's he's doing some family he's stuff He's out today. committing he's axe gone. murders, yeah. He could be. I mean, I don't know. I don't know his life outside of when he's in this room with us. His exact thing was, I, I texted him when I got off work. I was like, hey, we hanging out today? And he's like, can't. I have a suicide appointment. And I was oh, like, wow. can you reschedule? And he was like, no, I got to go do something. Absolutely not. He's doing some family stuff. He was like, no, I can't. I was like, oh, okay, okay. All right. So he's not having a suicide appointment. That's fine. So for the third episode in a row, we're going to have to do bananas for him. We are. That's weird. I don't like it. But before that, you can follow us on all the shit because we are starting a cult that's Grand Up Jake. That's so true. I know. I know that. That's so true. I like to spit truths sometimes. I love the truths. Yeah. Well, uh, you can follow us on all the shit. It's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And when we have an email, it's startacult at gmail.com. You can send us all the, the words you you want to say. Uh, and also, maybe there's a TikTok. There is, in fact. And it is uh, wasak underscore pod. There's also a YouTube channel with all our episodes on there. And go comment, like, and subscribe, and all that stuff. And there's a link below for the Patreon, where we do bi-monthly episodes. And they're always fun little little romps with me and grant here yeah that's true that's all if you like the episodes without mitch even though he doesn't really get involved we always record those just the two of us but if you're like a good person you'll like anything we say yeah yeah yeah, you will you will yeah holding you hostage here with my words listen and you can't respond i'm recording this it's gonna be in the past by the time you hear it that's true we'll forget everything we just said i've already forgotten I hate to admit it, but I have to. I don't, it's some of the things that were said, I don't remember. Yeah. Sometimes we like we present ideas for episodes. I'm like, did we? Have we done that? Yeah. And, we're like, and sometimes think, we have. So, and what's even funnier is sometimes we don't notice that until we're like reading about it. We're like, I know a little too much about this. Yeah. There, 
<laughs> like, why do I know what's going to happen next? Yeah, I'm like, all right, no. <laughs> and then no, it's no, no. Thursday, and I text you at like 10.30 at night. I'm like, Grant. No, we did this. <laughs> like, yeah, we, we did. may have fucked we? up. <laughs> That's all right. It happens, though. It happens. Everyone makes mistakes. Uh, 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 axes. Love you. Yeah, love you guys. Goodbye. Bananas. Bananas. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.